Good morning, everyone. Here. So good. How is everyone this morning? Hot? Sweatsville, Tennessee? Yeah. If you need to take your shoes off, I've just done that. That's really lovely. It probably isn't good for the carpet, but feel free to copy that. Um, so, uh, yes, welcome. I'm just going to start with a prayer, and uh, we will make a start. So, Lord, as we've sung this morning, we welcome you in this place. Uh, appreciate we've all come with different things on our minds and hearts. I know that it's easy to be distracted by life and our week that's gone before that, and you know that, Lord, as well. We just come before you now, and we, we offer you this time. Thank you for the time of worship, and we pray that you, the words that I say, it's for, all for you, and I pray that they are an encouragement to this wonderful group of people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. So, um, we are, this is kind of the last in a series of four. I don't know if, sometimes I lose track of series. But this is the last in a series of four about foundations. Uh, the first one at the beginning of the month was about identity. Identity as a foundation. Then we had uh, a talk on uh, the written word of God, the Bible, as a foundation to our lives. Last week we talked about the, it's like school, the yeah, yeah. Holy Spirit. I only had two, it was, yeah, you did it. Uh, and then today, have a guess. Oh, I would say have a guess. Is it up already? Oh, no. Have a guess what it is. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ as a foundation in our lives. Um, maybe that's not a massive surprise. Jesus Christ, of course, underpins everything. He underpins all of those ones. He is, he, we find our ultimate identity in him. Yeah? He is the living word of God. He sends, he himself sends the Holy Spirit to be our comforter, our helper. So he is kind of a crucial one, right? If there's like four pillars to a house, like an old house, he'd be like, that's, I'm getting my analogies confused. Anyway, he's definitely a fourth foundation, an important one. So, um, Yes. Is there a slide? Next slide. Great. So, uh, thanks, Mark. Yeah, I keep going over there. So, John Ortberg, uh, he had, is a Christian writer, famous Christian writer. He wrote a book quite a long time ago now called If You Want to Walk on Water, You Have to Get Out of the Boat. If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. Who's familiar with that book? It was quite a famous one back in the day. So this is interesting. I kind of like the title. It's talking a bit about, um, of course, the story of Peter, where he kind of, he has his eyes fixed on Jesus. He, Peter's in the boat. Jesus is not in the boat. He's actually, what's he floating on water? He's not floating. He's walking on water. And Peter's so excited to see him. He, like, he, just, he just jumps out of the boat. He has a moment of courage. He just jumps out of the boat and starts walking himself on water towards Jesus. Kind of incredible story. Um, it goes on to say that, of course, G Peter then realizes what the heck he's doing. And he starts to fall, and, and Jesus picks him out. The point of that title, of course, is that, you know, um, we need to, if we have courage, we take a step of faith, get out of the kind of confines and the, the, the routine of our lives, and have some courage, we can see and do amazing things for Jesus. Uh, so I like that. Sometimes, sometimes, the waters of life, the challenges outside of our boat, look a little bit like this, not just simply some calm, like the Sea of Galilee, which I'm sure it does get stormy, but, you know, I kind of get this impression that it's kind of flat, right? It's hard, isn't it? Because the question might be, well, who is Jesus then? Who is he? Can I trust him? If, if we imagine him on the waters and he's far away and we're in our kind of comfortable boat, uh, 
why should we get out of the water? Why do we do that? You know, what's the point if I'm kind of happy? Even though some of the promises he might bring sound really encouraging. Like, I'm not sure if I can trust him. So maybe you're here today. Maybe you've had those questions in the back of your heads in the past. Maybe those are things that you've experienced where you're not sure where Jesus is, who he really says he is, uh, and you have those doubts. Maybe you're here, and right now you're facing those questions yourself. Maybe, you know, the crazy few years we've had, you know, we've got we've had COVID, we've had, you know, just kind of politics right now, it just seems so crazy, polarized, culture's really shifting. You know, I went to a conference last week, and they were talking about how our culture's going from, like, the mod, you know, 200 years of modernity to something else. But in between right now, we're sort of in post-modernity, and we're not really sure what's happening next, right? So there's a kind of a weird time we live in, and all those things can often mean that our faith is shaken, right? It's like, where is Jesus in all this stuff? So, yes. Um, who is he? That's the question for de- today. Just thinking, we were singing some songs earlier about the magnificence and awesomeness of Jesus. And, and there is a challenge here because I think sometimes we can come to church on a Sunday and we sing these songs, but like, do our lives really reflect that as a belief? And I just wrote a little note down here, you know, to you our hearts are open, nothing here is hidden. So, wow, that's like quite a big deal, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know, I've got some hidden stuff that I'm not sharing. Um, and I'm, and I'm, I'm hiding that from God too. So... I think it's really important we have a little bit of a self-examination sometimes. And so where, where do I sit in my faith right now? Who is Jesus? I'd like to tell you a story, but first I need a volunteer. I promise you, you won't be hurt much. Not at all. No hurt. Just maybe a little bit, embar- no, no embarrassment either, really. I'll tell you what it is, right? Before you, because no one's putting their hands up. I'll tell you what it is. Oh, yeah, Felicity, please come here. Right at the back there, can you see there's like an eye test board? Everyone, you can have a look if you like. There's a little, um, I made it myself. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's an eye test board. Is there a name for that? Is there a te- who's an who's optometrist? Who's an eye test board? <laughs> can, can you start to read for me, to us, for us, the letters? I feel incredibly nervous just reading. Oh, uh, it's all right. I'll give you a clue. The top one's E. Oh, right, thanks, thanks. So we have an E, an F, a P, a T, an O, a Z, an L, a P, an E, a D, a P, an E, a C, an F, a D, an E, a D, an F, a C, a Z, a P, and I can't really do that last time. It's an F, maybe, an E, an L, a G, an O. Okay, you're starting to make my analogy not work. That's as far as I can hey, go. Well, so give a round of applause. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. So who's wearing glasses today? Right. I think we need to give her a little bit of a help. Who would like to temporarily lend us your glasses just to see if we can... Jez, you're right at the front. Oh, my goodness. Good luck. Yeah, see if that works. I've got a really narrow head. Please excuse the fact. It's all right. It's not about the looks today. It's okay. I can I can barely read the third line. Okay, all right. <laughs> Who, thanks, you. One more then. Thank you, Jez. Who's got some glasses that maybe aren't as strong as Jez's? Like maybe like you know. I'm oh, sorry. As medium as Jez's. Oh, here we go. Oh. It, makes it, it just makes it all go blurry. 
never mind. Well, well done anyway, Felicity. They kind of made my point. Great. Right. So this is the story. Picture this. Um, I am in year four, so I'm like about nine years old. I don't have any photos of me at nine, thankfully. Um, and I'm in Mrs. Hunt's class because she was my year four teacher in Parkville Primary School. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, obviously don't know that. Um, unless anyone here is from Taunton. Remember, you know, who knows Taunton really well? You do you know the school? No. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm there, I'm sitting down, I'm looking at the whiteboard and I'm thinking, oh no, I can't read Mrs. Hunt's writing. Quite, it's, like, it's kind of fuzzy. So I think maybe I'm just tired, I'll sleep it off. Next day should be fine. Come to school the next day and uh, I can't read it. I just, I can't read it very well. Things aren't looking good. This happens quite a few days in a row, a few weeks in a row. Um, and I'm starting, to get, I'm starting to get headaches. I mean, who's had headaches when you can't see something? You know, that's not good. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I think I might need glasses. Ugh. My dad wears glasses. My mum wears glasses. If it's a genetic thing, I'm scuppered, you know. But, but I, I kind of wanted to put it off. I didn't want to kind of face, face the fact that I probably need some corrective lenses. So I start copying people's work. Like, what are you doing, Dad? Not, it's not over tests. Why are you copying my work? And I even asked to be moved forward a few places in the classroom so I can see more clearly. It doesn't work. It's just getting worse and worse. Um, it got so bad, actually, that I started to wave at people. You know when you sort of see someone coming down the corridor in town and you start waving? And then they get closer and they're not the person <laughs> that you think. Um, all that stuff started happen to, happening to me. And I just realized I had to kind of face this. It's, you know, I had to. Um, but I, put, I was putting it off, and I think, you know, even though I knew that those glasses were going to correct my vision, I can see the work, I don't have to cheat, I don't have to embarrass myself, my headaches would go away, I chose not to wear those glasses for a long time. Um, even when I had them, I think we bought some old, like, you know, council glasses. <laughs> no, what's the word for it? Um, NHS glasses. Sorry. Uh, and, like, they were the kind of, in the, this is, like, mid-90s, right? Sorry, that shows maybe I'm either really old or really young. But uh, these are, like, gold, metal-rimmed glasses. To be honest, they're probably quite cool today. That's the thing. But right back then, it was not good. Um, and I was just embarrassed. I thought well, my facial features are going to change. Even at a young age, I was kind of worried about my self-image. Bullying starts, right? Late primary. Who had that in late primary? It's brutal. Yeah, you, Steve, you're a teacher, aren't you? It's be really harsh. Yeah. And then um, just kind of the fact that there's a bit of shame attached to the fact my eyes aren't working properly. All those kind of subconscious things that go on in our minds, right? We have to kind of face something we don't want to. Um, but I did. I got glasses. These are mine right here. They, they didn't look like that, like I said earlier on. And it made everything better. But sometimes what we do, I think the question is for us today, actually, is through what lens are we looking at Jesus today? What is the lens through which we are looking at Jesus? Are they corrective lenses that give us a really clear view of who Jesus really is or are we putting them off? We're not, we, kind of for whatever reason, we're not really wearing them. Whatever it is, whatever reason you might have, are you looking through the right lenses? Give me a second. <laughs> Just want to say as well, having the right lenses on when we look at Jesus will also determine how we view ourselves and how accurate we can view our own hearts and our lives. I've noticed that in my walk of faith, that if I'm seeing Jesus th through the right lenses, 
and he is the ultimate identity, then actually that means that I'll understand myself a lot better and the world around me. I'll see things in, with clarity. It's like the Matrix. I do think of the Matrix still, even after all these years. It's like it's a really good analogy, though, because, you know, we can either choose to see something that's false, or we can kind of just glean the surface of stuff and kind of accept kind of worldly philosophies and mix them with our faith. Or we can just kind of take the red pill. Is it the red pill? The right pill to see things, even though that sometimes can be quite a challenge. So to get a bit of vision of who Jesus says he is, we need to do that, don't we? If, if, if we're saying that Jesus is really important in our faith, he's the foundation, if we're saying that all things you know, flow through him, then we need to have a better look at who Jesus says he is. So... Colossians 1. Next slide. Thank you. Colossians 1 says this. I'm going to read from verse 15 to 17. If you've got your Bibles, please do turn to them with me. Uh, we've got it on the, on, the, on the whiteboard, I was going to say. Back to my analogy. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'd love you, if you've got time this evening or later on this afternoon, please do read this whole passage. So that's from 15 to 23. Uh, it's really good. I read it. I'd completely forgotten about it before I started preparing for today. So this is what it says. Oh, my Bible. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Pause there. Just as a reminder, we're talking about Jesus here, right? Not God but Jesus, Jesus was before creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things that we can, can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Verse 17, he existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Isn't that amazing, guys? Just kind of, maybe just give a few seconds to kind of absorb that. That Jesus was before creation. He, creation was created through him. So if we sort of see God the Father as the architect of creation, Jesus was the agent of creation. Jesus, it was him that created things. Which is crazy. And at the end there, it says um, all things were created, including the stuff that we cannot see. So it kind of implies there are a lot of stuff other than our galaxies and, our uni and the universe and the nebula. There's stuff that we cannot see in the heavenly realms, in the spiritual realm that Jesus has created and we're completely unaware of. And finally, it says at the end there, he holds all creation together, which is amazing. It's kind of like he's the sort of the, the tap, he weaves together the tapestry of life, right? Jesus kind of weaves things together. And he kind of holds it all together in his hand. So can you see, I hope this kind of paints a bit of a picture of maybe who Jesus is. And maybe it's just a reminder to us today that he's not just a man on earth. He's God. Jesus is, is God himself. He's not just sort of God's like, you know, little sidekick. He's central to this. So we need to understand him and get a better view of him. Of course, we also see that Jesus is a man. We know he's a human being. We know that um, he suffered like we did. He knows, em he's empathized, he doesn't sympathize, he empathizes with our 
when we bereave, there's bereavement, where there's betrayal. He knows what it's like to be betrayed by his closest friends. He knows what it's like to feel lonely and isolated. And he knows what it's like to be bullied. You know, I work with teenagers. There's a lot of bullying going on, probably just as much as there used to be. But Jesus himself knows that. He knows how it feels and the, and the depth of despair that we can face. So we've got this amazing image and a, a massively distinct view of who God is compared to other faiths. That we've got this God, a creator God, who kind of just chosen to come as a human being and relate to us pers- on a personal level. It's incredible. Elsewhere, outside of the Bible, we can also see how Jesus has impacted our culture, our lives, Um, you know, historical figures, people from all different ideologies and faiths admire Jesus, the man. You know, um, Gandhi, who's the famous uh, Hindu civil rights activist, he said of Jesus, if I look, (laughs) to me, he is one of the greatest teachers humanity has ever had. And Islam, Islam uh, sees Jesus as the perfect prophet. And they even believe, can you believe this, guys? They even believe that um, Jesus is going to come back in the end time to judge humanity. So they have quite a high view of Jesus. They didn't get everything right, obviously, but they get, they got a really high view of Jesus. So lots of people can admire the man, Jesus, right? I'm sure you've got friends. You can have a conversation with them who aren't Christians. They're not Christians. You know, they, they get it. Oh, yeah, Jesus was a force for goods, peace-loving, you know, all those things. He's, he's a good person, right? But as we know, conversations change a bit when you start to say, well, he's the only way to God and he's come as a human being to call us to repentance. Uh, you know, that's harder. That's a harder thing to say compared to like some of the virtues that Jesus represents. You know, I just want to say as well, I found out there's a really good book called Who Is This Man? I think it's also by John Altberg. It's really good because it talks about different ways Jesus has influenced our culture and society. And he just, it's a great reminder that, you know, Jesus also, like, the human life is measured by, by Jesus. You know, if you look at a gravestone, you've got the, you know, the date that a person was born and the date that person died. And that is the distance between that person's life and Jesus' t- lifetime. So it's kind of everything sort of centers around the life of Jesus. So um, I think sometimes what we can do as human beings, it's really important to mention that what we can do is we can borrow and take the bits of stuff like Jesus that we like. I think even as Christians we can do this. We can, uh, you know, well, great. You know, as our non-Christian friends might say, you know, he's, he's peace-loving. I get that. Dan, go for it. That's good. I, I, can, I can appreciate that. But what we can do is we can kind of ignore the challenging bits, the kind of the stuff about Jesus that we don't really want to talk about as much. And, and you know, Krish Kandaya, he's the guy that started Home for Good. And he's, um, you know, he's just kind of like a, he's wanting to support vulnerable children through adoption. He did a really good job of that, actually. And he says this, he says, I think there's a quote. Yeah. It says, um, in our fragmented world, Jesus cannot be on everybody's team. <sighs> Challenge. Jesus cannot be on everybody's team. He is not, in fact, a benevolent mascot to be used and abused by all. Oh, man, that's challenging. 
it's easy to co-opt Jesus into a cause. There are so many different causes. Think about it. I'm sure you've seen lots of memes on the internet with Jesus. Socialist Jesus, capitalist Jesus. People want to co-opt Jesus into their cause because he is a kind of good guy, right? Historically, he's a good guy. But it's so important we don't do that. It's crucial that we don't do that because we can't make Jesus into a projection of our own desires and our beliefs. We can't do that. That's kind of, that's idol worship, isn't it? God has a few things to say about idol worship in the Old Testament. It's not good. Um, Because it leads us down to a path of destruction. It's like we're choosing not to wear the right lenses and see him for who he is. And people's opinions can be really fickle, can't they? One minute, we see it in in the Bible, you know, one minute people love Jesus, they adore him. Whoa, he's riding into Jerusalem, he's got palm leaves. And the next, crucifying him and saying, get rid of him. He's a, he's a weirdo, whatever it is. So people's opinions can be really fickle, and maybe ours is too. And I just want to challenge you, maybe today you're coming with maybe a bit of a fickle view of who Jesus is. Now, I've got friends, right, guys, who many of my friends in my youth group when growing up, they don't follow Jesus anymore. The, the path is really tough because Jesus, he demands us to listen to everything that he says. Even though his burden is light, he demands a lot from us. I'll give you one little story, actually, quite a recent one. Uh, I work for, as Mark said, Wiltshire Youth for Christ. Uh, And it's a youth work charity that works in Wiltshire. We work in churches. We work in the community. We do some stuff, lots of stuff in schools. Love it. Really enjoy my work. But after the pandemic, it was a really tough time because schools were closed and we weren't allowed outside. It wasn't great. And it kind of caused us as an organization, we're really small, there's like there's three, three members of staff, right, really small. We had this conversation about our name, Wiltshire Youth for Christ. Um, not the most politically correct name in this day and age. Not the most palatable of things we could call ourselves. And we were thinking, do we call ourselves something different? Should we say, like, the bridge? Doesn't that sound good, the bridge? Abstract, mysterious. I don't know. What do they do? What's that? And we were praying about it. Honestly, seriously, guys, we were praying about it. I was praying about it because I was like, oh, yeah, man. It sounds a bit 1950s, Wiltshire Youth for Christ. By the way, Youth for Christ is an international organization, right? So it's not just like we, could, we just chose that. <laughs> it was it's something well established for many decades now. But we were just thinking, what do we do? Like, do we change our name? So maybe that means that we can get more funding. Great, because we're a charity. That's hard to come by. Maybe it means other schools will start to kind of be interested in the work that we're doing. Praying about it, had more conversations, decided, no. No, we're not going to change our name. We're going to keep it. Because, there are a few reasons, but mostly it's because we wanted people to see, first, you know, to hear the name Wiltshire Youth of Christ and know that that's what we're about. You know, we're not ashamed of that. We're not ashamed to say that actually our motivation to love young people and work with them is because Jesus loves us and he's shown us how to love properly. <laughs> and I, I want to love people in the, in the same way. Um, and it's still tough, guys. You know, to be honest, it's still tough. It's, it's a narrow path because it does mean there'll be some organizations that go, who the heck are these guys? Like, I don't want them near kids. I just want to say, just because I feel like it's worth putting this in, is that we work closely with schools, right? We don't go into schools and like literally just start 
we lock the doors and say, right, we believe that you're for Christ, so we're going to talk to you about Jesus. No, we respect schools and we follow their policies and we work with them. But we do look for opportunities where it's appropriate to share our faith, of course, because that's what motivates us. I just realized people could be listening. Like Some of the, the, the SLT teams could be watching me talk today. Like, Dan, I didn't know what you were about, no. So, what do we do? So, okay, okay so we've got Jesus as God. We know Jesus is a man who, who loves us as, as well. He knows what, what it's like to be a, a human being, live as a human being, the challenges that takes. We also know that he comes with challenges as well as love and compassion. He brings a challenge to us about who he is, that he is the son of God, that he is God. So what do we do? What should our, our response be? Well, C.S. Lewis presents us with a really interesting question, right? Some of you, this is quite a famous one for those of you that have been around for a while. Um, <laughs> spiritually, as well as agely. <laughs> Let me read it. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a uh, with a man who says he is a poached egg, or, or else he would be the, de the devil of hell. I'm reading my own writing, by the way, so sorry. <laughs> you must make the choice. You must make your choice. Today, we must make a choice about Jesus. We, there's no doubt about that, guys, because Jesus, there is no space to be um, on the fence about him. He offers us so much. He offers us wholeness, hope, forgiveness, transformation, I mean, my parents came to, came to faith later in my life, right, guys? And I've, I've seen how Jesus completely changed their lives. I've seen it in my own life. It is incredible. But he demands us, our, our entire being, right? As it says in that song earlier, to you our hearts are open, nothing here is hidden. We need to have that posture to Jesus. And, and in C.S. Lewis's quote there, he's basically saying that Jesus is either crazy for, for saying that he's God or he's evil for deceiving people but the third option right the third option is he's telling the truth <laughs> he's telling he is actually God he's actually God and we can pass through Jesus to him and I want to say guys I think sometimes this is quite a big challenge today um, but it's not just my views it's not just kind of my theology that I'm sharing with you Trust me, it's not, you know, it's not easy stuff to share about. I was nervous about this morning. Jesus himself pleads with us. He pleads with us. In, in John chapter 10, he says this. This is verse 7 to 9. I don't think it's up here. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Notice that he doesn't say, I am a gate to heaven. He says, I am the gate. I am the gate. And it has to be through me. You receive eternal life. You have the hope for the future. You see true transformation of the heart as well as the mind. So, I'm going to probably finish a bit early. The question really for us is, um, if Jesus is really who he says he is, 
what are we doing about it? What are we doing today? What can we do today to have a better view, a clearer vision, perspective on who he is? Um, I just want to encourage you, maybe you're in a life group, maybe you've got a really good friend who's a Christian and you can start to trust in a bigger way. I encourage you, read through a gospel together, read through John together, recommend it, and, and be really honest with each other. Maybe just ask each other, maybe it's in a life group setting, maybe it's just in a friend over a coffee, ask them the question, help me see my blind spots, help me see where my vision of Jesus is cloudy, I'm not wearing the right lenses. Because if we can have that kind of relationship with people, that's where the iron sharpens iron, right? That's where we start to grow a bit more. Because we're being vulnerable with saying, gosh, I don't think I've got this. I'm not sure I've got this right with Jesus. I kind of like what he says about you know, I'm forgiven, or I'm accepted, and I can come as I am. All good, all true. But I'm not sure about him being the only way to God. Like, what? That's really, in the 20th century Western mindset where relativism, relativism reigns supreme, that's really controversial, isn't it? <laughs> he's the only way. But like C.S. Lewis said, he's either telling a lie He's evil, or he's telling the truth. So the kingdom flip for today. Maybe this is a kind of summary to what I've been talking about. Do we have like a fluffy faith? Do we have something? It's like a feel-good faith. We've got we got our little crew on a Sunday. Come to church. Great, good to see you. You know, we've got a life group. We've got some good values, some good like you know structure in our life. We know what's right and wrong. Or do we have a Jesus-centered focus on our faith? Do we have him right at the center where everything else, our social media posts, our relationships, our thoughts, our actions, center and acknowledge Jesus at the center? I want to say to you, this is a real challenge for me this morning. I was like, oh my goodness. You know, sometimes you can feel like an imposter, like getting at the front and you start speaking to people. You can feel like an imposter because I haven't got this right either. I'm working on it. I've got a wife who's really good at sharpening things. <laughs> Bam! What are you doing? It's not quite like that. <laughs> So Jesus was a man, he was a human being, but he's also God. He's a man, he's also God. He's a friend. He's a fr 100% he's a friend. But he's also our saviour and our Lord. We can count on him. We can count on him on our times of need where things at home are horrific, when things at work are terrible, when we're on our own and isolated. We can count on him, but we also absolutely need to count the cost of being a disciple. Yes, we can come as we are. It's our West, West Vineyard? West Vineyard, West Wilts Vineyard motto. Come as you are. But, or and, he asks of us everything. Give me your lives. And he promises, though, it's abundant life. He gives abundant life in return. It's not like, be my slave, or, you know, all that stuff. No, he, he, it's, it's, it's worth it. You know, it's worth stepping out of the boat. It's worth it because we will get to walk on water towards Jesus. It's, he, he gives us everything we need. So, yes, that is the challenge. So, uh, what, shall I pray 
Is that good? Yeah, and then, um, and feel free to, yeah, let's all stand, let's stand, let's stand, let's do it. Because it's really hot and you've been listening really well. Uh, you don't have to stand. Please sit on the floor, do what you need to do. We're just going to have a time where we invite Jesus into these questions in our lives. So. Lord, I just appreciate that faith in you is really simple. It's really simple. But it's not easy at the same time. Jesus, there are people in this room who whose lenses maybe aren't that clear on who you are. And guys, actually, what I'll say, I mean, if you feel like this is kind of you today, I think it's important, isn't it, to just sort of identify when, like, oh my goodness, there's a bit of a challenge here. I'm not sure exactly who Jesus says he is. I'm not sure if I can really trust him. Um, like, I just encourage you, well, why not? Just come to the front. If you feel like that's you, I'm not sure where Jesus is right now and what he says about himself. Just have some bravery. Take that step out of the boat and come here. We'll pray for you. Maybe you're here today. Maybe it's not about lenses. Maybe you do have a good understanding of who Jesus is. But you're scared. You're scared about committing a little bit more of yourself to him. Just have a think. There's no rush. All right, guys, we're early, so... Whether, whether you come up or whether you're responding where you are, I'd, I'd love us to, to sing. It'd be great to have the band up. And, um, I wonder whether you'd sing this old tune with me, which I hope Joe will take over as quickly as possible. Fix your eyes upon Jesus, love full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely.
great to worship together, but it'd be great to pray for people as well. So uh, there'll be a little team of people over here who would love to pray for you. And maybe the thing is just that you know whether you've been following Jesus for five minutes or for 50 years, that you need your prescription adjusted. That you need the lenses to be able to see properly. I just sense there are people here this morning who are struggling with obedience and what um, they know that Jesus is calling them to do. But it, you get into that cycle of and you're trying hard and... The law says do not strive. The word says do not strive. And you get into this pattern of trying to be obedient, trying to do these things, trying to be good. And then maybe it's like, for example, reading your Bible, you know, doing your daily reading, and then comes day three, maybe. I can be speaking to myself too, that you don't do it. And then there comes that sense of failure. And with that comes that sense of guilt and shame and that you're good enough. But just know this morning that Jesus is calling you. He loves you. He loves you as you are. And that's what we say here, come as you are. And don't be um, defeated. Don't be challenged by the things of this world because God knows he understands your heart, but he's just calling you. He's so, he's so loving and he's so tender. Um, if only you could grasp just even 10% of his heart for you, how he sees you. And it's like a little baby, you know, when you have a little child, it falls over, but it picks itself up again and it learns to walk. And the Lord wants you, um, not by yourself, you're going to walk with Jesus. He's going to hold your hand. He's going to um, lead you. He's going to guide you. So whatever happened, whatever happened yesterday, this morning, don't beat yourself up about it. Just get up and keep trying and keep going. Don't have that sense of failure. Don't beat yourself up. There is forgiveness. There's forgiveness at the cross. That's why Jesus died for us. He loves you. And I, it, it's so simple. It's so easy. But I know all of us fall into that trap of um, we failed. And I, I think it's a sense of failure that makes us lack that obedience. Mark, sorry. Can I, I just keep getting, clean your glasses. You've, you've got the right lenses. You have the right lenses. But please clean your glasses Great. in the morning, in the afternoon. Yeah. Clean them lots. Yeah. Can, I, can I just ask questions before we dive into a song? Keep, keep going, guys. Any, 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 anybody need clean glasses? Anybody need their prescription adjusted? Anyone, anyone, anyone in the house need to be, you know, grow in obedience with him? You know, come on, we should all have like all, all of our limbs in the air. Okay, so, so in this space, I know it's hot, respond either here in worship or go and get one of these folks to pray with you. Come on, Kathy. All I want to do really is just say thank you. I... Matthew and I have felt so upheld by the church this week. Gone. And Matthew went to the gathering yesterday, and I couldn't stop praising God for it because I was so happy for him. He'd been looking forward to this for so long. And I encourage all men to go, I really do, because it's just wonderful. You go to the camp, and all you can hear is all these men praising God. It's just fantastic. And I just wanted to say thank you, because for those who know, he was really, really poorly, really, really poorly. And I just feel like God's been such a healing God this week for him. Thank you. So worship, prayer, whatever we need to do, let's, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come and move amongst us. Amen. <laughs> 